This is the Blockade Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Jared. You're listening to the Blockade Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Rivas, aka Shut Your Trap. Joining me as always, all the way on the other side of the globe, Jared Morgan. That's right, with a cigarette in hand after the uh, the post-100 coitus. Right. <laughs> coming out <laughs> suddenly, yep. suddenly i feel like i'm on npr the NPR. most boring the most boring radio program on the planet <laughs> um, and npr is uh national public radio here in america yeah and it is the sleepiest radio you have ever heard <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. There, there are people that I know that actually drive listening to it. And I'm just like, how do you stay awake? Because they literally, I mean, the, their conversations are all very thought out. And the enunciation is perfect. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, come on, show some emotion. <laughs> Quit being a that robot. If I was listening to that as a as a podcast, it would be on five times speed. <laughs> <laughs> so fast enough to listen to it too. Yeah, and then it, and then it doesn't help what their subject matter is because you feel like you walked into a uh, uh, a little boutique bookshop slash herbal center. Uh, yeah, full of, yeah, full of uh, hippie granola chicks and. Uh, you know, Rastafarian-haired white guys. It's just... Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I know what you're talking about. <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't know what the official word is. Me and me and my wife have always described... Uh, uh, it's that, you know, that patchouli-smelling uh, uh, hippie, dippy, grunge light. I don't know. Anyway, we just call them crunchy. Granola people. Crunchy. Yeah, granola people. Granola people. Because <laughs> that's just what they uh, look like. You're like, you just know that inside their satchel is a bunch of granola. <laughs> you know? yeah. Exactly. Of course I'm recording. What? No. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to mention that. So maybe I should be editing that out. <laughs> oh, okay. So we'll have to edit it. My wife had no part of the, that opinion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, eh? um, Good luck with that. I'll, um, I'll choose whether I just cut that. <laughs> oh, she wants she wants me to redo it now. I'm gonna see her make noise. Because I don't want to <laughs> uh, uh, all right, we don't need to include. I don't care. Whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So so uh. Quick, quick update on firepower. Yes. So I am preparing for uh, preparing the playfield for doing my uh, touch-up uh, airbrush painting. Okay. Okay. And by doing that, I'm using this uh, masking material called Frisket. That is a uh, clear uh, film that you place over, and then you can cut with razor blade. Mm-hmm. Oh my. Gosh, does it take a long time? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so, so, all right, okay. Well, you know, the, the the thing is, is you're sitting there with your razor blade, and if it's a straight line that you're trying to cut, okay, fine. I've got a a, 
a, a clear ruler, basically. It's a triangle, actually. And uh, so I can line it up with the lines, and you know, you're all that's all fine and dandy. Okay. But I'm trying to spray all the white, uh, basically, is what I'm doing. I'm cutting out uh, the the masking so I can redo all my faded white that's now yellow and uh, paint it back to white. Well, okay. there's a lot more white on here than I kind of at first glance. You know, at first glance, what you got is everything that's underneath the uh, the plastics where the plastics. general illuminations uh, lights tend to be. But then you start noticing that there's also like around all the pop bumpers, which look like uh, flames, there's a white border around there. And so they're all jagged along like with flames. So I'm, ha I'm sitting there intricately cutting, <laughs> you know, not cutting oh. into yellow of the flame, which is your, uh, the halftone uh, kind of lay down that they did. Yeah. Uh, so cutting above that and then cutting out the white. So that's kind of, intricate and tricky but then what's really nuts is around all of these general illumination areas there's also a pinstriped white line and so Jeez. i'm sitting there i mean you, you, we're talking a line that is maybe a 16th of an inch thick oh geez and i'm sitting there just <laughs> intricately finely dragging my razor blade across and and if you go too narrow, then you're just going to cut into the other, the other lane. And it wasn't painted perfect either because the, the pinstripe sometimes fades and then grows thicker again. Oh, so that was geez, just, I just leave it. Well, I'll you know what like, I do? Well, yeah, I'm just drawing, keeping the, the line consistent so that it, when we repaint, it will just be uh, one consistent line going through. But so there's that, which is intricate, but easily, I mean, I can do it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. The harder part <laughs> is cutting out all the lettering. Oh. Because that's white on the table, you know, stuff that says uh, one thousand or uh, five thousand when lit, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah. because it's a really funky font, and what I'm noticing is on the zeros, uh, it's it's kind of doing that faux computer uh, font, right? So a zero is kind of of square shaped, but then on the inner portion of the O, it'll have like a little dip. Uh, like yep. a thicker portion of the line. But here's the weird part. It's not consistent throughout the table where that little dip is. It's sometimes oh. on the right, uh, sometimes on the upper right, sometimes on the upper left, sometimes on the lower right. It's That's like, weird. yeah, I can't, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Now in the area where the, where it is, it's consistent, but then you go, you know, four inches above it to another area where it's written and it'll be different even there. Um, it's really kind of wow. bizarre. I was like, I was like, that's just a, I mean, I guess it had to have been a design choice by, by Williams, but why, why would they actually, is it like the numbers have just been flipped? Like the, or the zeros, have they actually just been flipped? It kind of looks that way. Yeah. Yeah. So but what they, they, they did it on the, on the one of a 1000, um, where on some of them it was, uh, you know, it's narrow on the top right. and then it goes bigger. But then on some of the other ones that it, it was started thick on top and went narrow on the bottom. It's so, in the same number. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's a definite design choice then. Like it is. They've done that for a reason just to mess with you. Right? Um, <laughs> it makes me just wonder, to mess with I would, you. I would I would love to see in person um a CPR playfield and see, see if, if they, they corrected them. Uh yeah. if the pinstripe lines they, if they made the pinstripe lines completely the same thickness the whole way around, or did they get try your mate? Get your mate that? to take some photos. Of it, because yeah. he's got one, eh? 
Yeah, he's got one. I'll have to uh, if I wind up going over there for a league time. I'll have to take a take a peek and, and mm. really you know look intently because it's one of those things where I never would have noticed it except for I'm sitting there with my razor blade and it's taking me ten minutes to do a block of letters. And after you stare at something for so long, the next one go, cross go, Wait, why is this one different? What? You know, it's, yeah. It is interesting, right? Like when you're right, when you're doing detailed work like that, you see everything. The curtain yeah. is lifted. Whereas if yeah. you just walk up to a game and play it, you don't even notice the minutiae of that sort of thing. Right. Um, it's just, oh, it's just numbers, whatever. It's just, it's numbers with that sort of um, pseudo digital font that they yeah. use. Now the, the flip side to that is it has made me not so concerned with uh, if my razor blade skills are slightly wonky. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if there's a waiver in a line or anything else like that, because I'm like, dude, there's waivers. Like all, yeah, there's waivers all over the place on this, you know, from yeah. the factory. It'll just, you're never going to notice standing no. back from where you are under glass. It's, if, and, you know, if you put your nose to it, yes, you're going to see it, but. And I guess that raises the other question. With the pinstriping, would you actually notice it from far away? Is it worth the extra effort actually? Oh, you absolutely it? see it. You you can oh, absolutely yeah. see the pinstriping, yes. Yeah, um, right. And especially it's going to be noticeable <clears throat> if it remained yellowish and everything yeah. else was white. Now, that has in turn brought up an interesting dilemma for me. And that is there is a star field all over this table. Yes. Some of the stars are little tiny dots. Yep. There's no way I'm cutting the masking for that. You, you just can't. Nope. You can't physically do it. Um, huh. But there's others that are much larger. And I'm debating on if I want to cut out the larger ones and make those white, and then the rest of the star field is going to be yellow, or do I leave the, con the whole star field consistent? Because on top of that, there is areas of the uh, black that have been chipped away that I'm going to have to repaint uh, the black, and there should be stars within there. So those stars I would paint... Do I go and match, try and match the faded yellow, or do I go in with clean white? Uh, if those, if you're going to be doing all the black areas, make your own star field, make it a, a unique Christmas. Well, I'm not replacing all the black. Field. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be little touch up mm -hmm. areas of black where it's been, uh, you know, uh, I think bold, if you're going to do it, you should make little nebulas instead of white stars. Make mm -hmm. little nebulas of different colored stars and dots. And uh, that will make it, uh, that will solve your problem, basically. Right. Um, yeah, that's what I'll be doing. Not a bad idea. So mm, that, I anyway, think yes. that would be my, I'm pretty sure that's what everyone else does as well. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's the exact same issue that uh, I believe they have the same kind of star field on Pinbot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. They probably would use the same sort of, design to actually do it because it would have been the same era pretty much a little bit a little bit later but yeah same era i don't know i uh, think somebody should have made a, a a you know a jackson pollock pinball machine and then it wouldn't matter what the hell was uh, on there it's just dirt painting <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would have worked um <laughs> firepower pollock edition <laughs> <laughs> that'd be that'd be fun to paint just, ah, ah, just throwing paint at it that'd be great yeah <laughs> do it do a uh, we have this artist over here called um pro heart um he was really really big in the 80s um and his thing was doing like massive scale paintings with food okay so what he'd do is he'd get like a room 
and he would just use all sorts of random um, food and like, you know, he would actually put a whole like ghetto on the floor and then shoot it with a blunderbuss and have it go <laughs> and just like throw out. And then um, the, the whole thing down here is at the end, it was for, um, I think it was for a particular brand of carpet, like a, a stain master carpet. Oh. And then the, um, typically the, <laughs> the, um, so uh, the, racially in, inappropriate housemaid will come through and um, go, oh, Mr. Hart, what a mess. And um, go and clean up, <laughs> clean up the, uh, all the mess on the carpet, go, nearly finito, and just <laughs> clean up all the rubbish on the carpet. And the okay, carpet I, can... I, I have to ask. So in mm -hmm. Australia, what is the mm -hmm. stereotypical uh, ethnicity of the housekeeper? Well... That's a good question. Because here it's, in America, it's typically uh, Hispanic. Hispanic. Yeah. Um, well, that's a good question. I don't really know, actually. Um, I I would think probably now it might actually be Filipino. Um, okay. I think. I, I'm not an expert on house cleans because we don't have one. <laughs> well, you know, I'm talking about when they depict it on TV and stuff. You know, it's the same thing with... Uh, uh, Typically, you would go into a 7-Eleven and, you know, Simpsons obviously uh, uh, highlights this incredibly, which is you'd have a Middle Eastern descent uh, owner of the, you know, Quickie Mart of the of the 7-Eleven. And then when I visited Australia, it was instead, I believe, they were typically Asian of some sort. Uh, Japanese, I think, were the uh, owners of the 7-Elevens. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, it's definitely Indians here mostly um, okay. who are in 7-Elevens. It's very much a, a, an Indian. I think a lot of um, the, the Indians actually use it as like a franchise and they, they have multiple stores Yeah, um, here. Because we, um, I don't know what it's like over in America, but in the, the built-up areas, particularly in CBD, there's usually a 7-Eleven on every corner. Mm-hmm. Um, or within very close proximity, and they're often owned by the same, like, business person. Right. Um, because they're lucrative in the city, you know. Um, <clears throat> but as far as ethnicity goes for housekeepers, um, I actually think here, like, it, we have services that, you know, will um, franchises here, again, that will come around and clean your house for you. And a lot of the time, it's actually just, like, Caucasians that do it. They do mm -hmm. it as a career. Um, I don't really think it's, um, it's actually, um, something that, um, the, uh, ethnic races do, um, here. Yeah. And it's weird. I, it's, it's an interesting question because I've never thought of it before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Curious. One to one to ponder. The, <laughs> um, mm. uh, Jared is the one that pointed it out to me on, on Twitter and it was, it kind of made me think, but Jersey Jack pinball just released the trailer for dialed in. And it's one of those things where it's like really a, a trailer for a pinball machine. I mean, I know they used to make those really cheese ball ads to basically try and uh, sell it to Operator yeah, promo videos, yeah, right. The, the whole like feature expose and like all the bad acting and from all yeah. the designers, it was very good. I actually really enjoy those. 
So it was, it was interesting seeing this one from, from Jersey Jack for Dialed In. Because it was seriously polished stuff. Yeah. Like I was going, I want a, I want that machine now. Like that's <laughs> what I was thinking afterwards. I mean, that, that has really got me pumped up for that machine. So they've done a great job with the marketing there, I reckon. Because the promos that we tend to see for Stern wind up just being gameplay. Yeah, uh, I mean, it looks it lo essentially looks like a Papa video almost. Um, it's yeah, just, you know, gameplay. It's actually, if you've ever seen any of the promo videos that Farsight does for their upcoming tables, um, that's what the Stern ones tend to look like, also. And so mm -hmm. it was kind of weird seeing this throwback way of selling a table. Uh, highlighting as, all the features and yeah, actually like a product. That's uh -huh. what they were treating it. They were treating it like a product. Yeah, and and that's the first time you're right that I've seen a pinball machine treated as a commodity item like that in advertising. Um, I think it's actually a really smart move. To be perfectly honest, Jersey Jack, I think uh, the pinball industry is at a point now where you can do that. Because people are thinking about these things differently now. They're not thinking about them as a like a, um, a specialty item. They're thinking about them as like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to buy one of these things. Certainly not you and I, Chris. No. We don't think about just going, oh, look, I'm just going to buy one of these things. But Sure. I got eight grand lying around. Why not? Yeah. I'll just, yeah, sure. Go and do this. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the it really actually, the, what the ad did for me is it told the story behind it. Yeah. And I think up until now, I I have not really been following too much about dialed in. I've been hearing all the stuff on the pinball podcast about it. Um, but the ad actually rounded it all off for me. It was like, yep, this is the story behind it. You are doing, you know, the plot essentially. And this is what you're trying to do as the pinball player. Um, and it was, yeah, very good. Very, very clever advertising. And I'm not sure, but I could swear that I heard at one point they do the typical, uh, and it, it'll increase your profits or something of that nature that I could have sworn that was literally talking directly to the operator. Um, um, I I would have to go back and watch it. I didn't hear yeah, it. I, yeah. Something to keep the ears. I might have been hearing things. Who knows? I'll have to watch it again because it's actually, yeah, it's worth watching again. The thing I don't like about the Stern promos is they they often chop and change too fast between the views oh, right. of, of what it is. Like they will jump around and it's supposed to make it look dynamic, you know, exciting, like fast cutting. But on a pinball machine, you don't want to see that. You actually want to see the detail. You want to stick on a shot for like two to three seconds and see what happens going on there. This is not MTV, you know. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> That's okay. MTV isn't MTV anymore either, so. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, I like it. I really like it, actually. They, I, I would like to see one done for Hobbit retrospectively um, and okay. see what that one looks like. And um, that spending a little bit of money up front like that, because it wouldn't have been cheap. They would have had to go to a, that um, yeah. probably. And it's worth it. Like they, It's like they even got the, the character that's playing it is the one that they modeled the character in the game after. Like it's actually a real person. Right. Yeah, which is very interesting. And they so also made a little extra deal, little detail. A big deal of saying that it was a Pat Lawler table a few times, yeah. <laughs> which I was like, yes, yeah. that is key. Thank you for announcing that because uh, us Lawler freaks certainly need we'll yet another oh, yeah. to want to play it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, 
so I think um, yeah, and they also showed a little bit of what the the app looks like. Um, that it's a companion app for the game, uh, right. where you can like it looks like a big nuke button on the on the phone, <laughs> and which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I'd have one. I'd have one for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Plus seven thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars more. <laughs> yeah. Well, in terms of games that we can get our hands on, this weekend, uh, Farsight released Paragon. Yes. As well as all the fixes that we've been talking about on the podcast for the past month. <laughs> so they're at, they're out on Steam now, are they? They are out yeah. on Steam, in the wild, yep. ready to play. I think, I don't know if they're still in testing in Android or if they're still, uh, if they've actually been released as well. Um but I have been playing them, and yes, so I, I'm very much enjoying Circus Voltaire. I haven't been through all of them in a lot of detail. Yet. I've just had a surface, a surface play of them because my week's been rather busy this week. Um, so it certainly um, Terminator Two. Those ramps are devilish now. Like they're so. Oh, hard really? To, okay. To shoot up, like that left ramp. I, I in a short time, I played it i i couldn't get it and i don't know i don't know if it's just me or if there's something else at play but it, it feels like when the ball is coming down from a loop it really speeds up like almost unnaturally fast now okay um i don't know maybe it's just me getting accustomed to the new tuning that that rob's put in on the on the tables but there was that, and what was the other one I played that had a, a sort of a wider... It was Medieval, actually. Medieval, really, you really notice it when it comes flying down at you. It's like, whoa, and it just, like, speeds up real fast. Mm. I went, oh, okay, that's that's interesting. So, I don't know, maybe it's just it, because it's so different and it's so um, not floaty anymore that it's just that's just how it works now in digital, and that's fine. It's just something I need to get accustomed to. But, yeah. Um, I didn't play. Oh, I did play creature a little bit, and the ramp is funny. Like, um, it's definitely not as vacuumy as it was. That's for sure, as you were saying. Um, and I'm finding that shooting it from the right flipper is really quite hard now. I seem to have glanced it off a target using the left flipper. I forget which one it was, and it went straight up the ramp, but doing a direct shot from the right flipper up the ramp, eh, I need to get used to it. Again, I just I think all of this feedback is just, I just need to get used to it again because it's very different. Well, and I, I think they changed, you know, in, in, in giving tuning or whatever, it almost feels like they've given more angles to the flippers now. Yes. And so yeah. I think that's something to also get used to, that, you know, what mm. there's so many more points uh, for the ball to angle from. from, yeah, that it that so instead of having this is hard to to illustrate um, without um, you know in a, a video format that then gets converted into uh, <laughs> audio. But if you consider the length of the flipper, there might have been like let's use an exaggerated um, measure. There might have been sixteen points on the flipper that you were, were able to fit the ball from. It's almost like they put thirty two on there now, right? Um, yeah, 32 places with their own physics um, attached to them. Because, again, where I noticed different. that on Creature, where I noticed it was when you're shooting the, uh, either the Kiss Lane or the 
uh, slide lane that the angles were there was more it felt more natural you might say uh, mm. to be able to hit it whereas before it felt like a me trying to time where it would go off the flipper but not how, where I visually would normally let it go off the flipper yeah it's it's where the game the game shot is not the real life shot exactly it's, and now it feels yeah. more like what the real life shot would be yep I definitely love the thing that delighted me the most was in Circus Voltaire seeing that juggler behave correctly. <laughs> like just seeing the ball actually sit in the saucer and then get juggled over. And the the pièce de résistance was the fact that we didn't have the farting saucer firing every time that it oh. juggled over. I just went, perfect. If it was anything that they could do is get rid of that farting saucer. And it's a really good sound effect they put. Um, in in place of that fighting source to so say thanks Norman for recapturing that it sounds real good um, real chunky real mechanical um, and exactly what that mechanism should be sounding like so top work now other news coming out of Farsight they uh, as per usual when they released the table they also released their newsletter they had the table hint which, <laughs> which I loved <laughs> two giant uh, red bouncy balls and a person uh, bouncing in between them, uh, falling clearly, and a bunch of ha-ha-has written above it. If you yeah. have ever seen the TV show Wipeout, you know exactly what that was from, <laughs> yeah. and therefore you knew what the title was, and that's what your table hint is. Therefore, it's Wipeout from Gottlieb. However, yeah. and I thought this was kind of interesting, uh, as somebody else pointed out, in other countries, the show was known as Bonsai. Oh, interesting. But no, no. <laughs> it's a little bit too. I mean, if 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 Farsight pulls a flippity do like that, and makes everybody <laughs> them for releasing a you know think they're releasing another Gottlieb premiere, and instead we get Bonsai Run, run. Oh, that'll man. be you know I'll, I'll, I just need, I'll just I'll just need to give him a high five. That'll be just like yeah, a fantastic way to go. So so guys. You have a month <laughs> to put this thing out. So if you really want to be tricksters on us, uh, yeah, just go ahead and nurse the idea that we're doing, uh, we're having another golly premiere and then spring it with a bonsai run. That'd be awesome. And then your table hint would be the world's greatest table hint ever. Yeah, um, we'll go down in history um, as the best table hint ever. The best trolley table hint. Unfortunately, when I was looking up Wipeout on YouTube, because I wanted to you know, see the, the, the table in motion, because I'm not familiar with it, um, among the many videos that uh, pop up was one that said Wipeout Pinball, and it was literally from the show Wipeout, and they were dropping giant pinballs on people, you know, coming down a ramp. <laughs> so, right. It, it was like, okay, yeah, that just doubly sealed <laughs> what I believe this is. Mm -hmm. Yep. So well, I will say, never having played Wipeout, I don't. Again, it's one of those I, I really can't have an opinion on other than, you know, my loathing mm. of Gottlieb Premier tables. But the visually, the plastics on it, the the white snow slopes plastics, they look like that same cheap plastic that Zachariah pinball machines have on them. Mm. And yeah. I don't know. I don't that know. doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy towards it. <laughs> Yeah, although you won't really notice that in the digital recreation of it. No, that's a snap on. So, yeah, there's not enough. There's not as much um, uh, 
thickness on the on the plastics and the godly they tend to warp really easily because mm. um, they're a bit thinner but the mechanical things on this i remember when this was actually in the arcade i used to work in and the the thing that kind of astounded me mechanically about this game is just the amount of of high quality parts they put in this thing like oh yeah the, the elevator that lifts the ball up to the uh the ski field right it basically has these turned metal cranks on it that look like they're actually being machined um and the belt itself is like this sort of leather material with holes stamped in it and it's like stitched together and stuff like that so it's like it's not just some piece thought, of what, cheap rubber uh belt it doesn't look like it from what i remember it was actually like proper leather so it would actually stand up to the rigors of arcade right. balls sitting in it and it sort of took me took me back a little bit when I saw it. I went, "Wow, that's like that's some heavy duty material there that they've used for that particular mechanism." And typically on Gottlieb premieres, that's what they did. Like the the gameplay and the tables were questionable, but the the build quality and the mechanical build quality of these things they were tanks. They were heavy to move because they were so solidly built. Um, so. Yeah, the the mechanisms and stuff on this one are interesting. The the ski field when you load the ball into the uh, the ski lift, um, the ball goes up the top, and a solenoid kicks the ski field left and right. You don't have control over it, and unless you are in one mode only, and in one mode only, you can actually control the solenoid. So it kicks it left or kicks it right with the flippers. But generally, if the ball's loading up there, it just goes tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, and flicks the playfield backwards and forwards. Pretty much at that speed, because um, at first so, glance it looks like yeah. it'd be the the playfield that's on Indiana Jones, uh, a rocking playfield, right? right? But it's, it's not a side to side. Yeah, it's a lateral motion rather than a tipping motion. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a very different style of playfield. And the the pivot, the actual main sort of uh, range of motion is at the top of the playfield not the bottom. So as it's rattling around the top, you'll see a lot more lane changes as it goes through the top and then it gets to the bottom where the anchor point is and it starts to slow down. So um, yeah, it's it's uh, that mini play field, of course, is sort of pretty critical to scoring on the game. Um, I think you might actually, from memory, shoot it to get jackpots as well. But overall, it's... Um, Obviously, a, a ski theme game, and there's not a lot of those around. No, um, I think it's probably the only one, perhaps, in modern um, tables. Um, and it's it's got its comedic humor in it, a little bit of a little bit of humor. Um, for example, look at the moguls on that ski bunny. <laughs> 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 terrible, terrible humor, or something like that. There's like this dude, ski dude in there that's like, you know, a hippie. And he sounds like a hippie and he's basically like, well, dude. Yeah, it's great. And <laughs> you're going to get really tired of hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. And uh, it's got the usual capped level of modes that that era of Gottlieb has. It's got like a six, I think. Um, I don't know what the wizard mode is. So I can't remember what it is. Um, this is of the same era as teed off. Correct. I know it's from nineteen ninety three. Yep, same era as um, Rescue Nine Eleven as well. Pretty much that that basic generation of um, Gottlieb hardware didn't change from nineteen ninety three to its death. 
um, they kept the same operating system. So well, they yeah, but I mean, so talking about like the uh, you know, you got the lights down in the, in the apron that you need to light up. Uh, yeah, and this one I think it says skier. Uh, yeah, and on yeah, that's, that's I forget what it was on. Yeah, it's just kind of standard. But they, I mean, by the time they got to Stargate, they weren't using that kind of thing, were they? Uh, I'm pretty sure Stargate, Stargate, the Stargate had some sort of apron lights. They always they always have some sort oh, of apron lights. Okay. Yeah, because there's always that feature in a Gottlieb premiere where you have to light the thing to get double mode or feature mode or some sort of mode that unlocks okay. if you light all the things. I'm pretty sure it was. Um. See, I think I that's one of those things that annoyed me about Gottlieb also, or Premier Gottlieb, I should say. Which yeah, is when you just, get that it, mode. It felt, well, no, I was <clears> going to say the mode itself, I just, from table to table, it just felt like they were recycling. Mm, there was, well. here, you must integrate this into your table design, you know? Yeah. Here are a random word that you have to spell out because it meets the theme. To, just right. pick a random word from the theme, like skiing, and then spell that out. Yeah, much it always like, was much a six like those, Oh, it six, was six like, letters, like, wasn't it? Well, yeah, yeah always got that those lights. Um, yeah. But it's, it's kind of like what the early Sterns, uh, when I say early, early modern Sterns, so your Ripley's, uh, Monopoly, where they had that three bank LED display on the table itself. Yeah, on Ripley's it's the jackpot on Monopoly. I forget what it is, but it was like, really, we're gonna have that particular thing on all the machines Simpsons pinball party like that how was the yeah. thing on Simpsons pinball party so yeah I was like wow it's like the the new embedded display that we got really cheap from China let's put them on all right. our machines <laughs> <laughs> to, to make it look like a premium feature when we we're struggling to keep the business alive yeah um yeah. sort of thing yeah I know it's weird eh that the things that pinball companies do over the years um that they think are good features and I'm sure that 10 years after things like dialed in come out or 20 years after Dalian comes out, we'll be going, well, why do they use a mobile phone as a as a thing <laughs> on there? You know, that's just weird. When we don't have mobile phones anymore, we have subcutaneous communication devices. It's so so 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's gonna be interesting to see that one come out. Um, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying the tuning um, on all the tables. I think it's great. There needs to be more. Uh, I like the new sound effects. They're good. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting more time on the new tables. Uh, what are they? Terminator 2, Creature. Um, what are they? Theater of Magic? I, I don't really care, honestly. Theater of Magic? <laughs> don't care. Um, what was the other one? Well, uh, I don't think they touched theater. Yeah, they did on mobile. Let me go and uh, bring up the Google beta testing community and I'll have a look at what the latest post was. I mean, the main ones that they, that I know that they touched were creature, uh, circus Voltaire, the twilight zone. Oh, and then they've been doing a lot with black, uh, black Knight, and in the, in the, uh, newsletter, it even said black Knight emulation coming soon. So I have a feeling that that's what their next. um, And I've seen it. I've actually seen it. Oh, okay. Um, I was watching um, Rob sent me a, a private YouTube live link as he was pretty much live debugging it. Um, and it was very interesting to see um, what that looks like when they're actually tuning 
um, the, the table. Oh, okay. Um, it's, wow, I tell you what, you realize just how much stuff you miss um, from the scripted version versus the emulated version. There's like sound effects missing. There's um, lighting animations that are missing. Mm-hmm. There's there's just a range of, like the bonus count noise is actually completely different to what <laughs> um, it is in the scripted version. It's totally different. Yeah. Um, it, it, the, the game is just completely, it's completely different, uh, honestly. Like you, when this gets released, you, you won't even know it's Black Knight, except for the fact that the playfield looks the same. But its behavior and its feeling, its character is completely changed with the emulation. It's amazing. And just uh, to highlight what Rob said uh, last time in our podcast, and that is the month off, you might say, to fix bugs and all that, they're planning on having that be an annual thing. So probably between each season, um, that'll be a, that'll that'll be the gap month. That'll be perfect. And then I would imagine that they're still going to continue trying to do uh, two tables a month of, uh, of bug fixes for two. You know, pick two tables. I think they're going to try and fix it. In. Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah, that's going to be really good to see that finally get chipped away. I think they're at the point now where they they have the resources they can start to chip it. And yeah. um and just do what they can, but yeah, I think having that month off, we've seen what they can do with just a month of downtime, and uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of stuff. Um, it's the tuning, it's the tuning and physics stuff that really it takes a long time. For yeah. I won't go into details about what Rob was fixing on Black Knight, um, but the process he needed to use to just fix the one problem that he encountered, it would have taken about thirty minutes to diagnose and and fix. So that's this one tuning aspect of the table. Yeah. Multiply that by all the other aspects on the table and you get an idea of just how long it takes to perfect tuning on a table. Fine tuning. If only they could do some artwork too. <laughs> yeah. It'd be great if they could recapture the play field on that one because it's muddy as anything. Um, it really, it would be great if they could sharpen it, but the, the emulation, I think they've done something with the... Uh, I think I was watching a DX11 version of it, so not the mobile version. Hmm. But the, the DX11 lighting, um, it's looking really good. Uh, there are there are no flashes on that table. Yeah. It doesn't have any flashes built in. But the, the general illumination and the lighting patterns, wow, just, you're going to be looking at it going, geez. <laughs> It's it's a pretty dynamic table for its age when you actually have the proper code in it. So um, there you go, kids. Uh, go ahead and capture uh, your video now of what Black Knight looks like, so that then when the emulation comes through, you can do a true comparison and be like, "Yeah, really amazed." I think I'm going to be doing it. Placebo effect. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be doing it. I'm going to be doing a video on mobile, and then when it comes out, a video on um, um, on Android to see the before and after because yeah. it's it's kind of staggering. Um, yeah, so <laughs> it's looking really good. Finally, we're getting it. And then I think the next step of that might even be Gorka. That's not confirmed though, because that's another one that's scripted and of the same era as, um, uh, Black Knight, I think. Yeah. Well, Gorka's I mean, once they get the, once they get the emulation for Black Knight, it'll, uh, apply to Gorgar, it'll apply to firepower. So then obviously it's just a matter of tuning. Um, mm. and, but I, that's the other thing. In, I know in Black Knight, the, the back glass integration um, is not really implemented at all uh, in Black Knight, but that now works. So when 
when your multiball is happening, it will actually have all the numbers scrolling on all the back glass oh, okay. um, things back and forward like it does in real life. Um, exactly like Firepower does in real life. It really took me by surprise when I actually got multiball in that game uh, in um, the world. I went, wow, this thing goes off when it goes in the multiball. <laughs> And in TPA, it doesn't do anything. Basically, it's yeah. very anticlimactic. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, you know, when, when you got on the multi, on the back glass on Firepower, where it multi ball is highlighted, you know, it's like written big on the back glass. You realize that hey, this was a big deal. This was an advertisement Huge. for what it could do. Um, and yeah, in TPA, you just kind of go, eh, it's just another table. Oh, what multi ball? Oh yeah, been there, done that. <laughs> like we have yeah, back it doesn't make a big fanfare over it. Yeah, At back all. then that was something to make a big. That was that was a selling point. That was that was having a cell phone integrating with the, the pinball machine. Yeah, that was a <laughs> huge feature. Yeah, exactly. Wow, Jared, we actually uh, uh, had pinball to talk about this week. Yeah, we did. We actually it's a proper digital pinball chat. Wow, um, it's good. Go figure. It's, it's really good. That's the the problem. We're gonna have to plan ahead for next year. I have a whole lot of like weekly topics lined up for that hiatus period where there's no <laughs> digital pinball. Oh, you'll be happy to you'll be happy to learn that last night I watched Prometheus. Yes. Um, so, what do you think? Uh, I thought it was really quite good. Um, the in typical really Scott fashion, all it all happened at the end. Um, yes. And that's fine, but um, I I really quite enjoyed the story and the lead up to the end. And the end itself was really interesting. Um, the 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 sticking points that I was able to look past, and my buddy never was, was the fact that the for a bunch of scientists they were incredibly stupid. Um, <laughs> just in terms of yeah. how you handle biological things you know nothing about. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, let's, hey, let's, you know. Let's, let's take off our masks in a foreign environment and let's point. You know. Let's stick our finger out at a weird thing coming out of black goo. Uh, <laughs> it's like, let's not do that, hey? You know, let's run the frack away. And, <laughs> norm and Normally there would be some protocols, but again, I just kind of went, eh, you know, you let it happen, you let it happen. Um, well, those then, two guys were like stoned <laughs> at that point, apparently. <laughs> much. Well, one guy was, but yeah. And then another sticking point was you have the giant... Uh, engineer spacecraft rolling on its side and yeah. Charlize Theron running away from it and everyone was like just zig and zag and instead of it you know staying in the exact same path as it's coming so that it can squish you now <laughs> interestingly enough though is somebody took that to its extreme and went here's why zigging and zagging wouldn't matter because they wound up putting it to scale oh yeah for how wide this thing actually is yeah, and as opposed to how small the human is, and it would be basically like trying to zigzag a football field. The oh, width, right. Not, not the not the from end zone to end zone zigzagging. Oh, right. <laughs> that's that's the scale that you're dealing with. You know, in the movie you don't quite get that scale. true scale. But they were they were talking about just you know when they walk into a spaceship, you get the idea of how big that interior is. Just look where the space jockey is. Right, yeah. and how wide that chamber is. So the ship has to be at least that wide. Uh, you know, and it's probably even wider and stuff. So anyway, they were pointing out that yes, although it looks like she should have serpentine, serpentine, it wouldn't have made a difference. She's still going to get squished. She's going to get squished hard. And yeah. and the part that that I disliked 
with the movie was the very last shot of the movie, which is when they show finally show an alien. They call it the Deacon. And I felt, oh, that was just a that's just a bunch of fan service right there. You know, making sure you got an alien in an alien movie. But watching Alien Covenant, it made me feel good about it. Oh, okay. That's, that's the bit of having watched Covenant. You kind of go, oh, okay. No, I'm fine. I'm cool with what you did. You know, we're we're, we're good. This, this makes forgiven. sense. It, this makes sense. Yes. Um, so it's like it, it's so. like that. It, what I got the the feeling about was that Prometheus, as far as like the aliens and uh, to an extent predator sort of lines that the the movies take, that was well and truly focused on the aliens aspect of the franchise like uh, all the stuff that was happening to the people and the fact that you know the big squiddy like creatures yeah um they it, i was a little bit confused at one point because the way they interacted with the architects when the uh, at the at the end scene there it looked like the behavior of a face hugger in a way mm-hmm. but but then I, I realized well hang on no, because of the big snaky thing that goes through your mouth and, yeah. you know, then infects you. And that's essentially, it, it's sort of a little bit like a, a, a well, a face hugger is, is really the, the alien side of things anyhow. It's not really a predator thing. But um, sort of like, well, that's a, it kind of looked like the big squid thing was just a massive face hugger. Yeah. Really. And yeah, like a, yeah, a big daddy version of the face hugger. Um, scaled up to meet the size of the architects, really. <laughs> that well, again, once you, once, once you <clears throat> watch Alien Covenant, it answers certain questions that you have with mm. Prometheus. Um, and like I said, I feel that it, it's a bit of retconning because, yeah. uh, because what, the they did in, what they did in Prometheus, they thought everybody would be cool with, and then people weren't cool with it. And I feel that Alien Covenant so, kind of went, okay, well, let's let's make let's smooth some of those waters. Let's make yeah. it feel like we actually knew what we were doing the entire time when we didn't. <laughs> yeah, this, we we planned to piss you off in Prometheus so we could make it all better in in uh, Covenant. Well, because yeah. if you watch the documentary uh, that's on the disc of Prometheus about the making of it, you realize that there were decisions uh, made after shooting was completed, they were made in the editing room uh, with relabeling things, renaming things, things that were done in voiceover that you went, well, wait, that wasn't what was in the scripted. And you realized that what they sh- while they were shooting, they had one intent. And by the time they got into the editing room, they started having another intent. Mm-hmm. And, and so that kind of changed some of the things. There's even a scene in Prometheus where one of the crew members comes back and basically they open the, the, the door to the, to the ship and he's crouched down on the ground, kind of like how an alien sits. And then he, you know, looks up and he basically attacks everybody. Right. Well, we, the digital did a version. They were supposed to do a version of him that he had much more alien like qualities to him. Like he had started to look like an alien and when you watch that footage, it really bugged me because I was like, oh my God, you should have kept that in because it, it explained some things, but Ridley really liked the guy's performance and was like, well, I'd be ashamed to just slather some digital makeup on him. So I eh, will just leave it as is. But to me, that muddied the water. It made it unclear what was 
what was really going on. And that's the kind of thing where it was like, yeah, so you had all these intents and purposes during the shooting, but in the editing, you kind of went, well, no, I kind of like that. Well, now you're changing. You've changed one aspect, and now it's branching in many ways. Now you have to, you've, you've created a snowball of other questions. So yeah. that's what I feel like Alien Covenant kind of went back and was like, okay, we get that there was some questions. We're going we're gonna to fix some of these. <laughs> and, and make it seem like it's it, though, like we knew what we were doing the entire time. One thing that, I, as you were talking, I was going, well, what's all that about? Is at the very beginning of the movie when you see the big alien ship going over the landscape and then it settles yes. over the waterfall. And then you see that lone architect drink something. Yes. It's like drinks the, the black serum stuff that you see in the, um, yeah, the black goo. Chemists, the, the black goo. So that I'm still, maybe I missed something in the movie. There was a bit of stuff going on last night when I was watching it. I wasn't fully concentrating on it sometimes. Um, uh, what what is the black stuff? Is that the stuff that infects them and makes them turn into aliens? What you, what you got to realize is this stuff <clears throat> is uh, it's essentially a virus, a virus, a, a, bi- a biological weapon, and right. it it uh, attacks anything that is uh, living, not plant matter. We call it uh, animal matter. Yeah, you might say. Um, it attacks that and adapts from that. It's, right. So it's a highly uh, malleable. Oh, uh, it needs some sort of meat DNA. It needs exactly. meat DNA to, to basically change form. But I guess the next question is that the ship we saw in the beginning was an oval-shaped ship. Yeah. Um, and that was the last time, unless I'm missing something for the last three movies that I'm, I'm low on detail on, but that seemed to be the last time that we saw that ship in the movie. Correct. Correct. So, <clears throat> so I'm trying to work out what that ship was and why the architect at the time decided to infect himself. And it's, it's the, the engineers were basically conducting experiments mm. and this person was sacrificing themselves for the good of the experiment. Right. Um, you know, there's a little bit of a ritual, you know, think, think a uh, Mayan culture almost. Yeah. You know, it had a, it definitely had that feeling because the way that he extracted the the virus was it was in like this very specialized looking container. It yeah, so uh, it's a very ceremonial ceremonial um, thing. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I still so don't get the big the weird ship. The weird ship threw me off big time. <clears throat> yeah. So, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of speaking of weird things. Uh, I've I've caught the first four episodes of Twin Peaks. Oh yeah, this new revival. What think? Oh my god, it's everything and more I could have hoped for. Um, Not really. <laughs> so so this is I'm actually uh, the the bigger portion of this particular uh, tangent. Um, so I really wanted to watch Twin this new Twin Peaks, but I didn't want to subscribe to Showtime for the two months mm. that it's going to be on because I just truly think Showtime is a crap channel. Um, they don't yeah. have good movies and then I don't know. I just, I never enjoyed their stuff, but it was like, dang, I really want to watch this. Now I'm also not a fan of torrenting, uh, shows. Yeah. Cause of um, the industry you're in. <laughs> in, you know, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I don't know if it's just, I hate watching things on my computer screen. I want to watch it on my TV, you know, with the mm. full surround sound or whatever, but, uh, I don't know. It's it just, 
it's one of those things where, especially if it's a show that I know that I really, really, really want to watch, that it's, hey, you know, you can always just wait and, and purchase it when it comes out on, on Blu-ray or whatever. But mm-hmm. I realized that I had, when I had renewed my PlayStation Plus subscription back in March, they were running a promo, which was renew it online, you'll buy it through the Sony store, they'll give you another three months of, uh, of the subscription, and they'll also, because they want you to try out their PlayStation View, which is essentially PlayStation's version of a satellite network. Um, okay. They have a whole bunch of channels on it and stuff. They want you to really try out PlayStation View, and they were offering a free, again, I think it was three months of Showtime. That's pretty good. So I received my email notification that I got the additional three months of PlayStation Plus, but I never received uh, a verification code for getting Showtime. Mm-hmm. That was one of those things where I didn't have View downloaded on my PlayStation 4 yet, and uh, I just kind of you know slipped my mind. But all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, man, Twin Peaks is out. I want to see it on Showtime. Hey, I never got that voucher. Let's do something about this. Mm-hmm. So I contacted, uh, I used the PlayStation website and went into their uh, <clears throat> online chat. And specifically went into, uh, had a view agent come on, said, hey, what's your problem? I explained the situation. And they kind of, and his response wound up being, oh, hey, no, I understand. You never got the email. Uh, We don't actually have that uh, promo code anymore, but I can offer you $20 in your uh, PlayStation wallet. And so I'm doing the math and going, okay, well, that's worth, I guess, two months of showtime, basically. Okay, But then I thought, eh, wouldn't it be easier just if I had the promo code? And he even said, I can give you that, or I can kick you over to uh, chat with the PlayStation Plus agent, and they might have the, the uh, promo code, the voucher, yeah. So I went, you know what, let's just do that, because it'll be easier if I could just enter in the code and not have to worry about, you know, actually purchasing or, or anything else like that. So transfers me over to that. I explained my situation. The person immediately is like, oh, no, well, we don't have any of those. That's a PlayStation View uh, promo. You need to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, oh, but I just did talk to them. They sent yeah. it to you. Well, there's absolutely nothing we can do. We don't have anything in our system that can can do that. Um, we only offer PlayStation Plus. You know, that's our area. We have nothing to do with PlayStation View. You need to talk to that person. Okay, so send me back. So I get sent back to that. Hi, what can I help you with? Of course, it's a different person. Mm-hmm. I explain the whole situation again. And the person goes, yeah, well, you know, I, I sympathize with you, but there's absolutely nothing I can do. And it's like, well, you're, <laughs> the person that I was speaking to before suggested there was. So can exactly. I to that person? And that's, what, and that's what I said. I said, well, I understand that you don't have the vouchers anymore, but can I just go ahead and get that $20 put into my wallet like that person offered? Well, I can't offer you that. I'm not authorized to do any of that. I think you've been misled. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> so it is right. at this point that I realized that now it's time to go into how to handle customer service. Mm-hmm. So having worked in retail, <laughs> I know there are two ways of dealing with or that customers like to deal with you. Re- way number one is to scream their heads off and yes. call you every name under the uh, under sun they can think of. As if yeah. bullying you will uh, make you give them what they want. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then there's the other way, which is uh, 
being reasonable, if you will. Yeah. Uh, while still showing your dis, uh, displeasure. Because you don't want to yeah. just be like, oh, okay, well, you know, you tried and walk away because that's exactly what they want you to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, but however, if you scream and yell at them, well, that person's like, hey, I'm not responsible for what the other person said. And yeah. so I started, <laughs> I started typing things of this nature, which is, you'll have to excuse my frustration. Yeah. And I don't mean to take it out on you. But yeah. I'm now frustrated because... This other person made this offer. I, in good faith, went a different route. And when I found out that that route was not available to me, I came back and now it's not being offered to me. And I don't understand how one person can offer it and another person can't. The person yeah. kept going off about, well, I'm not able to do it. I'm not able to do it. And then they finally go, well, we show that the voucher was issued to you. You should be able to access it in app. I went, Okay. So they go, go turn on your PlayStation, go uh, turn on view, look up Showtime, and it should be, it should be there. And, okay. So I go, look up Showtime. It says, start your free trial. I'm like, oh, maybe that's what it is. I click on that. Nope, it's a seven-day free trial. Like, no. Seven days. Seven days is not two, you know, two or three months worth of, of no, program. Free, free Showtime. Yeah. Exactly. So I go, I tell the person that. I said, you know, it didn't, it didn't go through like that. Mm, well, that's about all I can do for you. At least on our end. And I go, so you can't give me the $20. Nope, there's absolutely no way I can give you the $20 voucher. I'm like, okay. They go, but maybe you need, to, you need to talk to PlayStation Plus. They're the ones that can handle it. Okay, fine. Send me back to that. <laughs> no, they're not. Those they came did. from there. Yeah. So they sent me back to PlayStation Plus. So I immediately told the person, I go, look, I know this is ridiculous. I know you're probably not going to be able to do a thing about it, but this is what they just told me. Again, lay out the whole thing. Person's like, Yep, not a thing I can do. And I go, just to be clear, I go, is it not a thing you can do because this was a promo from PlayStation View that happened to be attached to PlayStation Plus, but it's completely on, you know, their thing? Yes, that is correct. Okay, fine. Would you like me to send you back to a PlayStation <laughs> agent? I go, you know what? At this point, is probably pretty pointless, but sure, why not? Why not? <laughs> so one more time I get sent back, because I'm, I'm thinking the longer this log is of all the chatting I'm doing, yeah, there's also the a theory that when you're dealing with online help of this nature, the object is for them to get rid of you as fast as possible, yeah, because it's economical. Yeah, it's costing them money. Exactly. So my thought is, no, let's stay on as long as possible because then in order to get rid of me, what they want to do is pay me off. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that's what I want. <laughs> and that's what I want. And so I told this, this last remaining person, I said, look, if, you, if the very first person I'd talked to had have said, nope, there's nothing we can do. The offer expired. You were too late to sign up for it. I would have been like, fine. I understand. I snoozed. I lose. But the fact that that person really quickly had their supervisor authorized to give me that money in my wallet, that's why I'm here, continuing. Because I don't understand why that person was right off the bat willing to do it, and now nobody is able to do it. Yeah. And so the person like, I understand, I completely do, but I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. I said, you know what? Fine, I think I'm done here. I'm going to try calling. <laughs> All so, right. So I hung up, called the customer service line get through, talk to a person. And yeah, it's amazing what happens when you actually talk to a, a person rather than just chatting online. Yeah. 
explain the whole history, whole story to them. They could hear, you know, the 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 tone of voice that I was using, that I wasn't yelling, but it was also, hey, I'm annoyed. And they went ahead and, uh, you know, it took about 10 minutes, but eventually it was like, okay, here's this uh, code, write it down, and then I want you to go enter it in, make sure it works, boom, plug it in, boom, 20 bucks in my PlayStation wallet. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. So the, the, the lesson learned here is don't even bother with chat, go straight to voice and get the job done. <sighs> yeah. That's right, yeah. isn't it? Like, because the reason is, they there's things missing from a chat conversation, and that is inflection, tone, and intent. Yes, that's that's the thing that you miss in online conversation, which is exactly why moderators like us on forums get pulled in because people misinterpret words. Yes. So yeah, dude, stay in the the phone queue. You'll get a better experience. So that being said, I was able to watch these first four episodes that have been released of Twin Peaks, and mm -hmm. I it it is so very much n so little about Twin Peaks and so much more about Agent Cooper trying to get out of the Black Lodge and these other events. They just kind of keep on coming back to Twin Peaks more to just show you what has happened in these people's lives, but there is no story going on with any of these characters yet. Um, it wound, it kind of feels like the culmination of everything Lynch has been building up to. If you enjoyed Lost Highway, if you enjoyed Mulholland uh, Drive, if you uh, liked the weird episodes of Twin Peaks, this is, he's just coalescing it all. And he said that this version of Twin Peaks is essentially an 18 hour movie. Right. And you got to watch it that way because he lingers on stuff for an eternity. And it basically, you start feeling uncomfortable, you start feeling unease, and then it keeps on going for so long that you kind of start laughing about it. And then you kind of relax, and then he hits you with the big boom, you know, oh. and, it, and it freaks you out again. Um, That's some clever writing there, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, you can I only do to... that. You can I only really to look that. at the script and see how that kind of thing is written. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how uh, what happens. Um, yeah. Everyday normal things that now are going to freak me out. Electrical light sockets. The <laughs> cigarette lighter uh, in your car. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know. It's just, it, it's just he lets these things just play out with the camera not moving and just being fixed and the sound just kind of enveloping you. And he's he's definitely one of these people you got to turn up the sound for because it just it it has a presence to it. Yeah. Um, but I also realized that all these shows that I've been liking recently uh, or loving, things like Fargo and Stranger Things and uh, Preacher, um, even something like Better Call Saul, they all owe such a huge debt to Lynch. And now it's him stepping into the room and basically going, all right, well, thanks for holding my place for me. Uh, let me show you how it's really done now. <laughs> Get ready for a listen, son. Yeah, it's, well, I'm going to school y'all. And then you all can yeah. uh, go back and, and try and duplicate me. And emulate me for the next um, 10 or 15 years. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so it, it, much like with uh, Alien Covenant, where if you didn't like Prometheus, you're not going to like Covenant. Uh, mm. With this, if you didn't like the weirder aspects of Lynch's films. If you can't stand watching Fargo because it seems to just 
be so much on its own slow pace that drives you bonkers. Um, you know, there's there's people that uh, I was just having a conversation today that were saying that they didn't like Legion. They're you know three four episodes in and going, oh my god, is it even worth it? Because it's just like, what is going on? Get on with it already. And me, I was just soaking it up, going, love it. This is mm. great. Um, you know, things like Mr. Robot, where the camera work is so deliberate. Uh, with where it's placed that you realize, you know, these are all shows that you can't play on your phone while watching. You have to just put everything aside and focus what's on, fr- you know, in front of you on the screen. Mm. And like I said, this is just television. Exactly. And this is taking it to the next level. So I'm, I'm really, really pleased with, you know, what I've seen so far. And as is typical with most Lynch things, I have, I'm just as confused as everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) And you really can't explain what you've seen, but you, you do understand it. It's much like when you've been dreaming and you wake from that dream and you go, that was an awesome dream. You're like, I got to tell somebody about it. And then the minute you start putting words to it, the whole thing just crumbles and falls apart and you can't even figure Mm -hmm. out for the life of you how it works. But that feeling doesn't go away. You still feel that it was an awesome dream. That it was an awesome dream. That's what watching this is like for me, where it's, I can't explain it. I, I The minute you try to, it just kind of comfortable apart. But while watching it, I'm just going, I'm liking this so much. So Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. It's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what I feel, you know, at the end of the 18 episodes. But At the end of the 18-hour movie, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. But we'll get back to you all on that. Um I think we should uh, I think we should uh, pull the plug on this, yeah. Yeah, let's put let's tie it up. Why not? I think, yeah. Why not? The like we say, it's the afterglow. We're relaxed. We're now we're now at uh, square one again, episode one with just a one hundred in front of it. Uh, <laughs> That's right. One, hey, it's, uh, it's get a one hundred one in things. That's like the basic level of understanding, right? <laughs> Something. So we get. I'm gonna have to weave that into the show title. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and follow Jared on Twitter? He is at Jared Morgs. You can also follow the show. It is at Blockade. You can follow myself at Shut Your Traps. Uh, and hopefully during this week, I'll have pictures of me airbrushing firepower. Something to look forward to. That'd be cool. You can also fire off any emails to the show. It is blah, blah, blockade at gmail.com. Why don't you... Uh, Contribute to the conversation. Tell us what you like in the show. Tell us what you would love to hear us talk about. Any and all suggestions are welcome. Last but not least, visit our website. It is blockadepinball.com. That is where you can find all of the past shows. Well, everything but the first 11, as we highlighted last time. Um, But go way back, deep dive, have fun listening to past episodes. Jared has put show notes, as well as web links for anything that we happen to uh, point out during our mm. conversation. Interestingly enough, uh, there was a competition in last, um, in the 100th episode. Nobody has entered it. And what was, no, the, what was the competition specifically? The competition was, in the last episode, you mentioned in the, um, um, the podcast, the first date that Blockade was released. Um, so the first episode. Um, and if somebody was to go and email blah, 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 at gmail.com with that date that you quoted, 
they would actually receive a Steam unlock code to um, Pixel Jam Studios Snowball, which um, we've covered on the show before. Yes, we have. And and strangely enough, no one, either people don't read or people don't care. Uh, so, so if you are interested in a Steam key for Snowball, um, you can go and do some homework. Go back through the show, find out that date, send it through to blah, 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 okay, the first person to do it. Um, will get the code and have a free copy of um, Snowball for their enjoyment awesome. on Steam. Yeah. And I also, I actually got that code by filling a survey for Pixel Jam. They've done the same thing with their new uh, space shooter called uh, Nova Drift, which I have to say, if I had a Steam computer, I would totally be backing now on Kickstarter. It looks like it's a, it's a, twin, it's a twin stick asteroid style shooter, but oh, okay. it's a... It allows you to actually upgrade your craft almost like an RPG. Um, and each each upgrade you do has a subtle effect on other parts of the um, the ship. And, um, man, some of the weapon configurations you can get in this game are just amazing. Um, there's rumor that if they get enough um, support for it, they may actually attempt to release it on Android, which, believe me, if they did, it would be an insta-buy for me. I would be all over this game. Um, visually appealing um, and looks pretty awesome. But anyhow, they did a an outreach campaign and um, recently and offered everyone a um, uh, a Steam key unlock for some of their other games. So look out for that one being given away in the upcoming episode of Blarcade because um, I I don't have a Steam platform, so I want to spread spread the love around and let you guys try a a game from a pretty nice little indie studio. Never let it be said that we don't give things away. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, gang. We will be back next week with more pinball goodness. Thanks so much for listening. See you then. See you later. Wizardamusement.com, the site to visit for custom pinball shooter rods. Easy to install, totally unique. Mention Blockade Podcast for 10% off your order. Wizardamusement.com. Sales, restoration, customization. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast hosting service that Blarcade is delivered to. We can't improve unless you tell us how. Now stop listening and play some pinball.